Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're doing Interview with an Abductee, where I speak with an everyday alien abduction experiencer. In this episode, we welcome back Dylan. Dylan was in the Deaf Doula episode. I would highly suggest you go and check that episode out. It was a few months previous to this. Uh, it will be in the description of this podcast, so if you want to go have a listen to that. And in that episode, we speak about Dylan's experiences with being able to see being able to see spirits and her kind of psychic ability, uh, what comes around with that. And we very briefly touch on her alien abduction experiences as well. And that was kind of something I really wanted to explore more with her, but I felt like they were kind of, they were related for sure that there's two topics, but I felt like it having its own episode was kind of important. So I'm welcoming Dylan back to come on and really go into some detail about her life. She's a lifetime experiencer. And um, at this point, you may have seen the three-part series I did where I was looking for my own answers around my own experiences. And Dylan was actually a big part in all of that. It was something that she said to me that kind of um, helped me, I guess kind of pushed me over the edge a little bit to really dive in and start to question, I guess, you know, my entire uh, existence within the paranormal. And so like Dylan and I have spoken quite a lot over the last maybe three or four months since our initial conversation. And it's really interesting. In, In this episode, I feel like, I hope it makes sense to everyone. Like even when we started to record, I didn't really ask a question. We kind of started to speak because we have sort of been talking backwards and forwards just about, you know, how we're sort of doing um, with everything. You know, she's sort of been very curious about how it's kind of going um, with the whole sort of hypnosis side of things. And, you know, she's also reached out to the same hypnotherapist to potentially uncover some of her memories because there's only so much she can remember um, from a conscious kind of point of view. So she is very curious about, you know, what else she can uncover and she has done some meditation as well to retrieve some of those answers as well. I guess, you know, hypnosis is just another option. Um, and that was what was great about getting to do that three-part series was try to, you know, really open it up for more people who may be curious, uh, wanting to, you know, explore that as an option. So it's kind of great that Dylan is taking that on board and, you know, we'll see yeah, if she does decide to do that. So yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was really, it felt really like a necessary thing for me because um, we recorded this not long after I actually did that hypnosis session. So, um, you know, everything you would have heard in those kind of three episodes, I also spoke to Dylan about not here, you're not going to hear any of that, but she was kind of aware of all of that going into this as well. Um, so I feel like this is kind of a bit of an overflow from all of that. You know, that's all still really new, even at the point of this coming out, you know, that's only been out a week, that whole hypnosis kind of thing. And everyone's been really supportive of all of that. And it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, the sort of, it seems to actually be making an impact on people, which is, uh, it's great. And yeah, it's kind of weird that it's now out there and and I was talking to a friend an hour ago before recording uh, this little intro here and he's like, oh, I still have to listen to that. I was like, oh, you don't have to if you don't want to. He's like, don't you want me to? I was like, oh, I mean, you can do what you want, but 
Uh, he, and he's he's interested in the paranormal just from my sort of point of view. You know, he's he takes it in, I suppose. But I was like, this is going to be pretty different. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a lot. And I feel like this conversation you're about to hear was kind of uh, more kind of healing surround all of this. So uh, thank you to Dylan for her time and you know kind of just being uh, sort of a support person at the moment. Uh, it's been, I mean, yeah, it's been really interesting and. Just of late, I just feel like I'm making some really interesting connections with uh, a lot of you. I feel like we can really lean on uh, each other in this community a lot. And, uh, yeah, it's been really interesting just the last few months, sort of people who have kind of come in to my existence and sort of, I don't know, I felt like it's all kind of for a reason. So that's sort of a long-winded way of kind of welcoming Dylan. But Dylan is, a, as I mentioned, a lifetime experiencer. She has her kind of life with, I guess, having that sort of portal through to the afterlife, you know, and she's had that ever since she had a near-death experience as a young child. And that's kind of around that same time that these abductions started to appear. And it's kind of interesting to think, are they related or is it separate phenomena that she, you know, has experiences with? It's hard to know, but, you know, keep that in mind as you're listening to this conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Dylan, welcome back to the podcast. Let's just jump in right here. I want to hear about your first initial experiences with these beings. My earliest memory was probably about when I was three or four years old. And I don't know which came first because in that year span, I had anywhere between two to three abductions. And the one that stood out to me most and really rocked me at my core, when I was a really young child, I was drowning because I had pneumonia and it was not being treated because my caretakers were extremely neglectful. So they had no intentions really of bringing me to the hospital while I'm coughing so hard from this fluid filling my lungs and then I'm throwing up and then it's backing into my lungs. So I'm starting to drown at double time. And all of a sudden, my parents, this was before they were divorced, they get me in the car and drive me out in the middle of a field. And they say, we're going to the doctor. So there's no such thing as a clinic in the middle of a field. It, it does not exist. But this is how I initially remembered everything before I did memory retrieval. We go into the clinic and there's all these people 
in the clinic. And there was this one woman that stood out to me. She was older. Um, she had mid-length grayish hair, brownish hair. And she just looked really, really out of it. Like she was on something. Not necessarily like she was a substance user, but like she was sedated somewhat. And the, these, I believe it was initially two or three doctors approached me and put me on a table. And I, sh- I should have known that this was not quite right. Because the way I remember it what, for the retrieval was they took a blender with a stethoscope in it and they shoved the stethoscope down my throat. And I just thought for all these years that that was my child's brain making sense of medical equipment I didn't understand. But they were shoving the stethoscope down my throat. And this, I, this should have tipped me off too. It took six adults to hold down one toddler while they're doing this because I'm fighting them the whole time. And they're pumping the contents to my initial memory out of my lungs. So they're saving me from drowning. And then this was all over. And then uh, my parents drive me home. So I went into memory retrieval meditation. And what I got was my parents almost like they were under some sort of spell of sorts. Put me in the car and we're like, we're going to the doctor. Okay, that's fine and dandy. That's, that checks out. That's the same. They drive me out into the middle of a field on a corner of it, whatever. That's the same. This is where it starts. It's not a clinic. It is very stereotypical flying saucer shaped craft. But the exterior of it, it looks like a black metallic pearly substance. And there's obviously the dome in the middle where they would probably, I'm assuming, navigate the craft. And there is a door that drops down from underneath. And my parents and I, we just start walking in. To my memory, I feel like the craft did take off because I did feel some sort of motion. So it was like a circular room. And across the circular room opened up a, a rectangular doorway. So I'm assuming that the craft was either a lot larger than it appeared or it poured it onto somewhere else so that it extended into another craft. So it opened up and my parents walked through that door. And I'm still in this initial circular room. It's all white. It's very clean. And there's only, to my memory, that woman in the corner to my left. Um, And they're doing something to her, these gray beans. They're very short. They can't be more than three to four, four and a half feet tall. And so they place me on this table and I just feel my limbs go heavy, but then I'm able to lift them up. I'm starting to fight them. There's two of them holding me down initially and then several other come. And so now at this point, there's six. And one of the six is putting down my throat into my lungs and my stomach, a see-through glass-slash-metallic-like tube. And I'm fighting them the whole time. And they're just sucking all of this stuff out of me. And then they finish with that. They let me up. My parents walk back in. They enter the initial circular room. We leave and we drive home. 
there's also another experience around that age. And um, this made a lot of sense to me because my whole life, I grew up by a hospital. So there weren't many planes, but there were definitely helicopters. And I was terrified of the helicopters that would fly over the house for the longest time. And I didn't realize it until I did the memory retrieval. They were outside my window. They were outside my, my parents had separate bedrooms. Things weren't going well in the marriage. So I was in my mom's bedroom at the time. And I just saw this extremely bright light outside the window. And I'm just like, my brain is melting. I don't know what I'm comprehending. I'm like, wow, that's cool. But also, oh my God, what is this thing? And I, I don't, I didn't get much after that, either that or it's already slipping away the memory from a memory retrieval meditation. But um, ever since that point, I was absolutely terrified of helicopters and it was not a helicopter. Uh, the helicopters, they didn't produce lights like that, especially since they were flying over a residential neighborhood. Their lights were limited to what they had to so that other airplane knew they were in the sky. You're the first interview I've done post my hypnosis. And hearing you talk about this experience at such a young age is, it's actually invoking kind of a different feeling than I normally would have in the situation. And I think, you know, there's a lot of probably reasons for that, but I feel like it's just still very fresh and, you know, I haven't made my own mind up about my uh, experiences and so on. And, you know, I don't want to harp on about that. I've made that pretty clear that I want to not really move on from it, but, you know, we're here to talk about your experiences, but it's just, it's, it's hard to kind of hear what you're saying right now. And yeah, it's, I feel very, it feels very different hearing someone talk about this now. Um, now I've kind of opened up a bit of a door that you know, kind of can't close, but it's fascinating that the memory that you have from being a child is, you know, seeing these six figures that look somewhat human, but as you said, they kind of looked a bit, you know, deranged or a bit out of sorts. And then going through your own methods of retrieving information that turns out, you know, you're actually in a craft of some description and they weren't people, they were these grey beings that we're all very familiar with, I'm sure, which I guess does really point of the direction of some sort of screen memory there, you know, I guess to protect you from the truth. It's just very interesting that you're able to, I guess, find that out. It's also really interesting too that you say that your parents were actually there with you as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm trying to think if anyone's really described that before, you know, their parents actually taking them, uh, leading them to this particular experience and them actually being there at the same time. Uh, it's probably very far in between from my uh, sort of interactions with people. But um, sorry, I want you to continue uh, if there's anything else from around that time. It took me again when I was seven. And this time I was just screaming at them, why are you doing this to me? Why do you, you keep taking me? Why are you holding me down? And I was also freaking out because I was watching them operate on my right knee. 
they were inserting an implant and they took that implant out as of this year, July 3rd. And I have a scar from that and I do have a picture of that. And then they came again when I was 12. They took samples, they took eggs, they collected data from the implant, which was interesting because they were using some sort of device to almost access the implant without removing it. And this holographic image appeared out of my knee above the implant. And it had all these weird symbols and charts and they were taking it all down from this implant. And what I was able to gather from asking them like, why are you taking me? And it has to do with the fact that I died when I was three and was basically put in another body. It's still me. I'm not put in like someone else's body, but put in another body on a different timeline, sort of like an alternate self, so to speak of. And they were studying how the soul transitions into a body under those circumstances. I'm just taking it all in and I guess just processing how substantial all those events are. And so it happens so young to you as well. And it's it's so fascinating how much detail there is also from, you know, being so young. And it's even um, to be having experiences like this even before being of an age to comprehend the concept of alien abduction. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And then, of course, as well, when you're able to retrieve those memories as you got older 
and you know you can actually see the correlation. Uh, the memories have actually been expanded on, and you know you can actually see that you haven't fabricated them; they've come from somewhere else. The way you're describing it, it does sound like you actually witnessed what you saw. I never could have conceptualized an experience like this as a child. I didn't have exposure to media, but there, I do still have experiences in my adult life. I had one back um, in either 2020, 2021, and that's really the one that they left for me that, you know, kind of got the ball rolling and has been brewing for years. They took me in the middle of the night. I was working odd hours. I didn't really have steady sleep schedule, so to speak, but I was just falling asleep. And all of a sudden, I opened my eyes. There's these three beings. And it's like they're levitating me somehow, but they're all picking me up. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it because it felt like I was levitating, but the way they were moving and the motions they were making, it was like they were picking me up. And they got me out the window and into the craft. And then they placed me on the table. So initially I could move when they placed me on the table, but then I felt, I saw one of them like flipping a switch or something. And all of a sudden my limbs went heavy. It was like an artificial gravity was holding me down. And, you know, being audacious me, I thought to myself, oh no, hell no. This doesn't have to work if I don't let it work. And so after I had that thought, I tried to move. I sat straight up. So there were two to my left and there was one to my right. And the two to my left got startled and the one to my right came to my side immediately and placed their hand on my chest. And that was the freakiest looking hand. I'm not going to lie to you. It's spindly arm, hands too large for the arms, and the eyes melted my brain. The only reason that this experience didn't freak me out was because the moment they touched my chest, I got the sensation that they're going to try and level with me and they're, they're going to actually have a conversation with me. So I told them after that point, because I laid back down and I'm just looking at them like I told them telepathically. And I don't, know, I don't even know why I got the sense to communicate telepathically. Uh, I was having a really hard time moving my mouth. That might be part of it. And I, I expressed to them telepathically, look, I might cooperate if you're just honest with me. I need to know what's going on. Otherwise, I'm going to freak out and I'm probably going to hurt you. And they were cooperating with me. They were being very kind and they were informing me what exactly they were doing. They had said this individual that had pressed on my chest to my right while the other two to my left were doing something to my knee. They said, the implant in your knee is defective and you will die if it is not removed and replaced with a better piece of equipment. And I said, okay, fair enough. This looks like my only option to live. I'll let you do what you need to do. And they said that they will let me watch. And I said, mm, I appreciate that, but maybe not. <laughs> I was like, I, I trust you. I get kind of squeamish with this stuff. So they kind of block my view of what they're doing. And I'm just asking this being questions. And I don't remember too well the questions that I ask, but I do remember asking like, 
why are you doing this? Because I, I initially did not get that answer when I was a child. Um, when I was a child and I asked that question, they looked so pained and so shameful and guilty when I was freaking out and asking questions and they basically just did not respond. It's like they knew the distress that I was under. And I can't even imagine what it is that they've gotten themselves into or what has happened for them to continue these processes on people while watching them under that much distress. It's like, what What have you gotten yourself into? What are you trying to get yourself out of? Um, and that when I was, you know, in 2020, 2021, whatever that time frame was, I wasn't uh, charting anything at that point or keeping track journaling. They, that was when they told me, we're interested in seeing how your soul has transitioned into this body, given the circumstances that I discussed in one of the previous episodes. And that was fascinating. And um, I do remember them putting me back in my bed. They were very gentle about the whole thing. But what freaks me out too is the fact that I could move. I don't know. It's it's more so the fact that your brain can do something like that. Like your brain can say, no, I reject this reality. And all of a sudden, like, now you can do whatever you want, what, whatever you want. So it kind of brings into question, like, what is, what is this technology of theirs interacting with? It kind of seemed to me like it might be conscious, consciousness connected. I don't know. I don't know anything for certain. That's just what I went through. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear. I mean, yeah, the experience starting so young and I guess the developments you found. Just from my own hypnosis the other day, I, I saw two different moments. One where I believe I was about seven and then one where I was about, uh, I think it was like 20 or 21 or so. Even though it felt like it was the same room, maybe with the same beings. I mean, they look the same. But it was like at the age of seven, the feeling was a lot of confusion. And then the experience in my 20s was, it, it felt it, it felt like I'd, I definitely had been there before and they weren't even really paying me much attention. I felt like there was a lot of just being ignored because it was like, this isn't, this isn't the first time. But yeah, that was just sort of playing in my mind as you were speaking and it's just it's interesting to hear the differences um, sort of over time. Yeah, I, I felt very much so the same way at seven years old. I was kicking and screaming and confused, frightened. And, and growing up as a child, you know, I, I was always looking at the stars. I don't know how relevant this is, but it, it is, you know, otherworldly type of related sort of in this realm. And I do have memories of a past life where I was not from this planet. And that, that has created, that in my lifetime has created quite a bit of turmoil for me that I've only just recently sorted out. And I'm like, now at 24, I'm like, absolutely, yes, I commit to Earth. I am here now. This is where I belong. And for the longest time, I just do not feel like I belonged on this planet. On top of being from a different timeline, having been 
living another lifetime in the Pleiades, very specifically. I remember the Pleiades. It's just, it's been one hell of a ride. <laughs> Do you think you opted in to these experiences in a previous life and that's why you're in the situation you're in now? I definitely think that that is the case, but I do have some problems with that. You know, from my perspective, there is us, what we call ourselves by our name. There is spirit and there is soul, right? So there's there's basically either two to three parts of us, depending on how you want to look at it. Well, when your soul opts into something before you receive your name and you're born, well, how much can you really say you were on board with that, right? If only one aspect of yourself is on board with something, it's almost disregarding the other aspects that make up the whole of you. So I spent some time being pretty pissed off about that because I was like, why? It, this just feels like it's, this feels so violating. Even though a part of me agreed to this, it was like the audacity that this part of me had to agree to this without getting the rest of the biparts on board. And I've just kind of been doing some digging into that. And I've come to find that, you know, I'm probably not going to understand potentially even in this lifetime, why I, why I came into this life and chose this, some aspect of me, but whatever it is, I'm not going to figure out anything if I just do a full stop. I need to keep having these experiences so I can keep gathering information. So maybe I can come to a conclusion or find out why I'd have opted into this. I'm not entirely sure, but some part of me is not in resistance to the experiences. And I, I kind of really loathe that part of me. I definitely see it kind of happening time and time again where, I mean, people either receive that message or they come to that conclusion themselves that they feel like they have opted in at some point. And, I mean, even could just be an excuse as well from these entities to say something like that because, I mean, what what proof do you have per se? But in saying that, if you do feel on some level that it is meant to be happening. Like even the the thing of like, it's a part of your journey or a part of your mission, which I can, I can definitely see that being a big part of it where there's much confusion and pain and I mean, every single emotion that could possibly come along with these experiences. On some level, if you do feel like it's meant to be happening, uh, yeah, that's a real struggle. I think to to really comprehend that, and I, I yeah, I'm just really relating a lot to that just in this moment, I guess. Because when I asked you that question, I was like, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'm not necessarily subscribing to any of that for myself per se. But um, I, I, you're right though. On some level, if there is that part of you that feels like you somehow you're there for a reason then who's to say exactly, you know, what what we may have agreed to or, yeah, that, that's a really hard one, but no, I really enjoyed that answer. Yeah, I really want to find out why some part of me agreed to this 
So that way I can get the whole of me on board. Because right now I feel like I'm at the mercy of myself. And that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's definitely the case. And there is this part of me wondering, well, did they just make me feel this way to make me cooperate? And if that's the case, the next time they take me there will be hell to pay. (laughs) Because I, it feels very violating, extremely violating. It's like, you know, if I really consented to this, all of me, would you have to put me under, make me forget things, try to make it so I can't move my body? Wouldn't it be more so like, knocking at my door. Hey, uh, we have a scheduled appointment. Oh yeah, here, let me go with you. You know, that strikes me more as something consensual instead of I'm going to take you out of your bed in the middle of the night while you're sleeping and vulnerable. So we can't do anything about it. I mean, there's a reason why we call them abductions, isn't it? I mean, there's not a, there's not really a positive way to look at that word. So yeah, you can, you can see like you're in two minds about it where anything I mean, any message or sense you kind of get from them could be completely manufactured just to put you at ease or, you know, we're literally just at the mercy of whatever we're told in a sense because you're literally in the position of, like, you're helpless in that sense. Even though, as you've said, you've gotten to the point where you've been able to sort of seek more answers, even have conversations, but it still doesn't, they're still coming and they're still, you know, at least um, putting in a position which is against your will, you know, as you said, like being taken in the middle of the night, that's, um, that's, a, that's a nasty way to wake up and realise that I'm no longer in the comfort of my bed. It's very invasive and it's only really detrimental to you by the sounds of it. Like it hasn't really been a massive positive thing at this point yet. There's been a lot of hurt and confusion far more than, you know, I'm sure a lot of your peers and so on who going through their own life struggles but then you've kind of got this on top of it as well it's yeah it's a very isolating situation to be put in where you have real no control over it and you don't really know as you said is this actually happening or like what what is any of it you know so yeah it's a a hard one yeah it's left me very and you i'm sure you can tell it's pretty obvious it's left me pretty angry not going to lie, I'm pretty angry that someone would have the audacity, right? It's, and that I, that's part of why I fight so hard when they take me. And I have these memories of me trying to punch them and, you know, slap them because it's like, you know, this could be a lot easier for you if you just leveled with me. But that pisses me off too, because it's like, we could have a conversation and maybe we can go forward and this could be a whole lot easier. But you seem to think that I don't deserve the time of day to have answers to what's going on with my own body, what you're doing with my own body, why you're taking my body in the middle of the night. What am I chopped liver? It's my body. But who are you to do all this to me? And then leave me in the dark and then take my memory away from it. I don't, it's, it's like, how condescending do you have to be as a creature? Do you, how do you see me? Do you see me like a lab rat? Do you see me like an animal? Because I wouldn't even treat animals this way. I'm really hearing 
your frustration and, you know, just how upset you really are around all of this and it makes total sense. I think anyone listening to our conversation right now would, you know, would feel exactly the same way if they're in your position and, you know, I'm really sorry that that is just the reality of it for you and I know in our previous episode we spoke about, you know, when you're quite young, um, your parents sort of seeked out, uh, I guess, remedies for these experiences, you know, through medication and so on. And as you said, nothing seemed to work, which I guess, you know, has made you come away with the realisation that, you know, th- this is real, um, very real for you, even if other people can't see that or understand it. And it's this thing, I mention this in every single episode that I do, uh, you know, of interview with an abductee because either people, you know, people are always going to have a stance on it. Some come away with these experiences in a positive way, others not so much like yourself. And it's that thing of what what is that? You know, why why is there so many differences? Absolutely. I think a big reason why people who, you know, regardless of whether it did or didn't happen to them, they have this feeling of specialness walking away from these experiences. I think sometimes it's Stockholm Syndrome. And I think some other time it's people enduring a horrific trauma and making it mean something to mitigate the severity of that trauma. And the way that we treat people currently about their experiences relating to their abductions And the atmosphere that we have created for them where, you know, before they're even told, stop talking about this, you're crazy. We've created the perfect set of conditions to, I don't know, give them an an internal gaslight. And I, I can't really begin to elaborate much further on that because it's, there's quite a bit of meat there and it's kind of hard for me to conceptualize. But, you know, it does become easier for people with these experiences living in an environment within a society that heavily discourages conversation about these things and completely discredits, denies, and disowns these experiences. It it sets it up for the individual so that it's easier, easier for them to discredit themselves and to begin this process of an internal gaslight than to actually process the experience itself. And whether we want to go as far as to say these things don't happen to people, it doesn't matter if it's real or not. It's real to the people who have these experiences and trying to convince them that it did not happen and thinking that that approach is going to be healing for them or helpful That is the worst thing that we can do for people, regardless of whether this is real or not. We need to treat these experiences and these traumas as if it is the reality for the person experiencing them. So it doesn't even have to matter what you believe. It's just holding compassion in space for people because it has been a really hard time, especially as a child, talking about past life experiences as an extraterrestrial And some of the volatile responses that I received from people in the community that I lived in and the threats that I received from grown adults as a result, it is mind-blowing. It's almost, it almost seems to me 
that people are just afraid to open this door as a possible reality in general. And the first thing that they have to do is completely shut it down. All the while, it's, you know, slowly killing experiencers and abductees inside. I couldn't have said it better myself, honestly. Yes, we need to take people's accounts as truth for them. And that's always been my point of view. I'm not, who am I to say that what happened to someone is bullshit just because maybe I can't conceptualize that experience or it doesn't fit in with anything that I'm aware of. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hearing people out and allowing them to yeah, speak their truth and offer any... I mean, I guess the only the only thing we can really offer is support, knowing that you're heard, and yeah, just letting them know that they definitely don't feel alone for any of this because it's a constant struggle for a lot of people, and that's my thing too. There's like there's so many, like just think about like the ones that we, you know, you probably see online, or even if you've heard of someone have an experience, but then also the the you know this the amount of people who will never talk about it. You kind of just touched on it there too, you being um, a kid and dealing with this. And I know in our previous episode, you touched on some of this as well. But I'm curious to know, so you've obviously, you start seeing spirits and then you're having these abduction experiences. At that young age, what can you really make of all of that? And what are you, are you, are you telling like family members and friends at that time, exactly what you're seeing and at what point what point did it make sense that, oh, this this isn't obviously normal and you kind of were able to seek out what might actually be happening to you? It became clear to me that these experiences were not commonplace when I was placed in school. I was listening to the conversations that kids would have around me and these things did not pop up. And the reason that I did not tell my parents when I was a toddler these sorts of things was because I just assumed that it was normal. And, you know, when things got to a boiling point where they were so stressful and bombarding, I could not hide my reality anymore after learning through socialization at school that these are not things that we talk about. You know, there were kids there, right? at school of my age who would talk about aliens and Bigfoot and things like that. It just, you know, uh, and it, 
looking back at it, that seems like something pretty normal that kids would be interested in uh, from like a sort of interest standpoint. And they were always the outcasts. That's basically how I learned that. Oh, well, shit. (laughs) And these guys are just taking an interest in it. Here I am with actual experiences. I can only imagine what they're going to do to me if I come out. I just stayed stay quiet and learned through observation that we don't talk about this. And when it came to a boiling point and my internal reality became clear to people around me, their responses are more, I would say their responses were more traumatizing than the experiences that led to the distress themselves. Especially, especially with my mom. Um, as a child, you know, we were not really that close to this day. Um, you know, she would just do things and say, this will make things go away. So they're going to go away. And I'm like, mom, it didn't go away. And she would just get so angry. She would get upset. She would get angry because she would try to placebo me and like say, here's a bottle of holy water. I'm going to spray it around the house, make these things go away. And I'm like, okay, you know, (laughs) I'm seven, whatever, I'll try it. And it didn't, it didn't go away. You know, it just did not go away. I have been thinking more about how you would approach this. You know, if you're in the position of being a parent, you know, uh, you and I uh, don't have any children with our partners and uh, I don't know. I know it's it'd be a very slippery slope, and you would uh, you could understand why a parent would try to just completely, you know, rationalize these experiences. But obviously, for you, it was quite extreme, and it's had uh, quite severe effects. Uh, and you know, I don't really want to get too much into it now. I suppose, but. Yeah, it is. I guess it's just something very interesting to keep in mind. And, you know, I've sort of been over the years speaking with people who, you know, have children who are in these kinds of situations. And, you know, the idea that, um, you know, this could be happening to them is, yeah, it's, it's something to really keep in mind, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, it's obviously not, it's not easy. And you wouldn't really want to be in that position if you can avoid it. But in saying that, I guess people like you and I uh, would be in a good position because we are aware. So, you know, if you did start to hear, um, you know, things from either, you know, your own kids or, you know, even just kids who, you know, you're aware of and surround yourself with, um, you know, I guess that's something maybe you won't disprove it as quick as maybe some other people, you know. You know, part of my concern is that this might be passed to my nieces and nephews. So what I've been doing when they come to me with things that I could just see the adults around them being like, oh, that's that's not a thing. You know, when our when the children come to us and they're telling us they're being bullied at school, our first response isn't, oh, that can't be happening. Just stop. Stop making a ruckus. Stop. Stop. No, we don't. We don't do that. We Find the appropriate people with the qualifications to help the child deal with the situation on top of being there for the child 
listening to them, keeping an open dialogue and helping them and trying to explore ways to create a sense of safety in their environment, right? I don't understand why it would be so different if we have a child coming to us saying, grandma wants to talk to you, but grandma died like 20 years ago. Um, It just, we instantly invalidate their reality. We assume that it's an overactive imagination and it very well might be. But invalidating their, their reality, it's teaching them to not trust themselves. And, and that's, that's where the danger comes in. And that's what happened for me, was I had all of these adults around me completely invalidating my reality. And it was very much so real. And the stress and the illness that that caused me, I think it would benefit children a lot more to know that they have someone that they can go to that they can trust that isn't going to write them off right off the bat. Because even if these experiences of theirs aren't real and are in their imagination by some chance, it's going to resolve itself a lot faster to have that adult that they can trust who they know trusts them and takes what they say seriously, it's going to create that sense of safety within them. Because oftentimes these experiences, they, they, even if the child thinks that this is a friend, whatever they're talking to, whoever is taking them, they need to know that they have someone that they can trust and talk to. Because if these things get out of hand and they do get scary and they do start harming the child, We don't want the child to hold that all in, internalize it, not speak about it, because then nothing gets done about it. And that causes further distress in them, which will probably make the situation worse, make the happenings ramp up. So I've just been kind of been keeping that in mind and taking that approach with my nieces and nephews. I have five nieces and nephews, and I really do get this gut feeling that one of them in particular is very soon going to be like, I'm seeing these things or I'm having these experiences and I want them to at least have one person to turn to. Because even if parents, they don't have the background that I do, they can find people that do who can help the child. And I think that's very important is setting up a support network for them so that they can navigate these experiences because in doing so that they may very well unravel the whole thing and make it stop if this is just not something that the child wants or is capable of handling that's at least been my experience but that's also coming from a place of i watched everyone around me fumble as a child i know what i needed at that moment Hearing it from you where you've been in this position, I think that's, that's a great point, uh, I think, for people just to hear. Dylan, at this point, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many people I've spoken to, you know, let alone for the podcast, but, you know, also just um, people sending me emails or messages or, you know, having conversations about experiences very similar to everything we've discussed. And I think the timing of you reaching out and us having these conversations 
and I guess you helping me, uh, you know, you didn't even mean to. It was just some things that you said to me in order for me to go away and reflect on how I fit into all this phenomena. It, it, it doesn't seem like it was coincidence by any means, you know, and I know I'm someone who kind of harps on about synchronicities and, you know, just the, the whole reason behind everything, you know, and it's so interesting that our paths are kind of crossed when they did. And, you know, and it's interesting to not, not everyone I speak to, but, you know, a fair few, you know, they'll come on, do the podcast and it's, it's great to speak with them. Some I might keep in some sort of touch with, but a lot of the time, you know, you sort of pipe your own ways and it's totally fine. You know, it's kind of, it's the, it's the purpose, you know, with these interviews, it's people sharing their experiences, you know, I don't, um, if they want to come back on and if they've discovered more information, uh, that's great. I've always sort of open to that, you know, return guests and so on, or even just, you know, some, some just do reach out and, you know, sort of check in and see how things are going, of course. But uh, it's been very interesting, um, I guess, sort of the dynamic that we've shared and sort of just sort of feeding off one another, you know, sort of checking in. And it's it's actually really cool that we sort of have that. And, you know, from, I guess, us getting to know one another, then, you know, I guess I've started the Facebook page as well, which anyone could go and join, literally just type into Facebook, Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, a private group will come up. You can just um, ask to be added into that and I'll add you in. Uh, and it's it's a safe place that, you know, we can all talk about these experiences. You know, I know, Dylan, you've shared um, a fair bit in there yourself and, you know, I really appreciate you getting to do that. But it's just been very interesting, I guess, um, yeah, just kind of, I know, for myself getting to know you and just hearing, you know, your your story, it's really resonated with me and it's just interesting that we've had this conversation after, you know, all of this is kind of really bookending a little bit of that sort of time. But, yeah, I just can't thank you enough for just being very honest and open with me and now, you know, also sharing uh, to the audience as well your experiences because I think people will really get something from this. And, yeah, it's, you know, I really hope that you continue to get some answers and, you know, I guess find some more closure with your experiences, you know, because it's, yeah, it's, it's, as we've heard, it's, you know, it's really not an easy thing. And I guess I'm sort of coming to terms with all that for myself as well. And, you know, I don't, the jury's still out on all that. I really don't know how I fit into it all, but, you know, I can't really thank you enough for at least being a part of that journey for myself. And I appreciate it too, because I've, I've been very curious as to you know, what's been in store for you as well. And I, I don't I don't exactly know why. That's not really the type of person I am. I don't really um I don't know what the what the right word is, but I feel like there's something in sync there about your experiences and my experiences and where we're at in our journeys. And something something feels like this is beneficial for the next step for us as individuals yeah part of this is processing for me and another part of it is i'm pissed that somebody took my memory away what they've been doing to me and i'm not just going to stay quiet about that and you know 
this inner child in me is crying for me to talk about this because they were silenced for so long. And I'm going to be doing that little girl an injustice and my nieces and my nephews and, you know, people who feel like they have to keep quiet and injustice. If I don't tell her story, that little girl, that is me. If I don't tell my story, because I feel like the childhood experiences of abduction were far more traumatic and impactful than my adulthood. And thank you so much again for providing me the support, these conversations. I don't think I would have gotten to this point if I had never spoken to you. And there you go. There was interview with an abductee with Dylan. I can't thank her enough for coming on, really going into some amazing detail about her, really her whole life. And of course, thank you guys for listening. You know, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribed. Leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you use. As I just mentioned, there's the Facebook group as well, but you can also just like the Facebook page, jump on our Instagram, keep in the loop for every time I post and everything around that. And I haven't actually plugged the merch for a little while, but if you go into the link in the description of this podcast, open that up, you'll kind of get the link to everything I've just mentioned. And down the bottom, there is a merch tab. And I've just made a new shirt with a gray alien uh, on the front, which I think is pretty cool. My friend Jordan Crabtree helped me out with that, who is an amazing artist and tattoo artist. So if you're interested in picking one of those up and just, you know, repping the podcast, uh, I would I'd love that so much. So you can jump in over there and pick yourself up one or, you know, I'll probably be giving away one in a future episode. I'm definitely sure on that. So keep an ear out for that as well. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening and I hope to catch you in another podcast really soon. Thanks. Bye.